0: Hello, welcome everyone to The Full Cup, the podcast where we have a logo of a cup of coffee and we're Mormons. No, it's a cup of, oh, your jacket's too loud. Your jacket's too loud. You got to take it off. It's a cup of Peril. A cup of Peril for Craig, a cup of Creole brew for me, or occasional cup of
1: coffee okay. you can't. <laughs> oh. mom will get mad at me <laughs>
0: yeah. okay so let's see last week we talked about the four steps of freedom we did and today we are going to talk about
1: we talked also about being clinically emotionally uh, dependent that all of our emotions are affected by everything going on around us and that we can use learn greater self-mastery by not letting other people affect us in the same way that they always
0: have Okay. okay. And so today we're moving on to marriage.
1: Marriage. The wonderful ordeal <laughs> of marriage.
0: <laughs> what brings us together today.
1: <laughs> we're going to talk about the wonderful ordeal of marriage. And I, I, I'm, uh, I don't want to make it sound like marriage is horrible, but marriage can be really tough at times. And that's why I call it, a, sometimes it's a hellish ordeal. But the, the ordeal is actually really wonderful and good for us. We get our greatest growth in in the marriage. Uh, maybe some of you are familiar with um, The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. It was an interview done in the 80s with Bill Moyers. And they asked him, why is marriage so precarious in our society today? And, and Joseph Campbell said, because it's not really considered a marriage. In other parts of the world, it takes two or three days to get married. In the United States, it takes 20 minutes. And he said this, and I think this points out to everything. So many times we acquiesce to personal whim. This is what I want in the marriage, or mm-hmm. this is what she wants in the marriage. Mm-hmm. or. And he says, you never acquiesce to personal whim. The only thing you ever acquiesce is to what's in the best interest of the union, the marriage. Because you come to realize, well, he didn't say this, I believe that we come to realize that in our marriage is where we get our greatest growth, our greatest uh, insights, our greatest wisdom. It's the struggle of marriage, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. That
0: who, sorry, who's Joseph Campbell?
1: Joseph Campbell is a, uh, a philosopher and anthropologist who uh, was kind of the guru in the 60s, 70s, and 80s okay. about language and... Um, Watch PBS when they do their sweeps week, and they interview Bill Moyers in his little skinny tie from the '80s, uh, talks about uh, the power of myth with the big glasses yeah, I've on. Heard of that. Okay. And he, he still has a, a show on Sunday mornings uh, but it's an interview, and he's interviewing Joseph Campbell. Okay. And if you listen to it for a couple of minutes, you'll go, "Well, that's interesting, but if you stay with it for more than a couple of minutes, you won't be able to turn it off." Uh, and, and they type this, this interview up and call it the Power of Myth. Oh, okay. Uh, Joseph Campbell's also the guy that said, uh, I'm amazed at the number of my friends who their entire lives been climbing the ladder of success and realized when they got to the top of it, they'd leaned their ladder against the wrong damn wall.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Back oh, okay. to marriage.
1: Yes. The wonderful ordeal of marriage. Um, as I said, I think sometimes marriage can be very difficult. I also think it can be very wonderful. Anything that has real value takes work. And a lot of times you'll face a lot of resistance. But it is my belief that in marriage is where we get all of the anchors of our souls poked. Uh, in other words, uh, well, I'm, I'm actually going to have you do something, Libby. I'd like you to repeat after me. And we're going to talk about you and your husband for just a minute, Danny, oh, who okay. I love very much. Okay? <clears throat> okay. I'd like you to just say this out loud. Danny, I'm not going to let the stuff you do irritate me anymore.
0: Okay. Danny, I'm not going to let the stuff you do irritate me anymore.
1: And if I can really get free from all the irritating things you do.
0: And if I can really get free from all of the irritating things you do.
1: I can love you more than I've ever loved you.
0: I can love you more than I've ever loved you. Is that true? Yes.
1: So you're understanding already that the gift of agency or independence of thought is absolutely necessary to be able to love. When I struggle, let's say with my mother if I if I have difficulty with my mother and she does things that really irritates me, it makes it hard for me to love her. But if I can truly get free from her, I can love her more than ever. Yes. You agree with that?
0: I have experienced and know that is true. Okay. Yes.
1: So now I'm going to throw your curve. I'd like you to say it again. Danny, I'm not going to let your goofy stuff mess with me anymore.
0: Danny, I'm not going to let your goofy stuff mess with me anymore. And I'm
1: going to love you more than ever.
0: And I'm going to love you more than ever. Because I'm not
1: going to let that stuff mess with me.
0: Because I'm not going to let that stuff mess with me.
1: Now I'm going to be Danny for a minute, okay? Okay. Dear Libby, I am so glad that you love me and that's wonderful, but what are you talking about? there are little things that I do that can set you off like a rocket ship. There's a tone of voice that I can use. There's things that I might say, little things that are so insignificant and you roll your eyes, you get upset, you you blow off steam. I've been talking to your dad and he told me that one of the reasons you're drawn to me is because I'm a hunk and a great guy and wonderful and warm and loving and sexy and all that. But at another level, you were drawn to me because unconsciously you recognized that I will be the one who will best poke you in the unfinished, unconscious anchors of your soul. I don't do it on purpose. Sometimes I do have a mad at you. But just by being the man I am, I will poke you in anchors of confidence, anchors of sexuality, anchors of economics, religious anchors, uh, parental authority anchors. If you have any unfinished issues with your mom or your dad, I'll poke you in those anchors. If you have any unfinished business that's buried in way deep inside of you, I'll poke you in those anchors. Somehow, just by being me, I will ferret out all of the anchors that you have. And that's what happens in marriage. Now, as I do that, I'd like you to repeat after me again, Libby, and try this on. I like to say, and Danny, as you poke me in those anchors. Well, first of all, let me ask you, yeah, do our spouses poke us in the unfinished, unconscious anchors of our soul?
0: Absolutely. They you do. forgot to mention video game anchors.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or time spent together, or all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Uh what love should yes, be. Anchors of valued, intimacy, valued, right. value, yeah. Right. Voice. Uh, does he give me voice? Does he listen? All of those things. Do I need a hug once in a while? No, not a red hug, a white hug. Uh do I need those kinds of things? And he's going to poke you in all those anchors. So now, as he poked you in those anchors, I'd like you to try this on. I'd like you to say, and Danny, as you poke me in those anchors. And
0: Danny, as you poke me in those anchors. I'll
1: get so upset.
0: <laughs> I'll get so upset. that I'll
1: do one of three things.
0: I'll do one of three things.
1: One, I'll leave your butt. One, I'll leave your butt. And that's what most people do in today's world. Mm-hmm. 50% of the population that you know that's married will be divorced 30 years from now. So I'd like to say, one, I'll divorce you.
0: One, I'll divorce you.
1: Or two, I'll put up big, thick walls of DTs.
0: Oh, or two, I'll put up big, thick walls of DTs.
1: And I'm very good at those. I am
0: very good, yes. I've I've
1: had to be good at my DTs.
0: I've had to be good.
1: That's how I've survived.
0: That's how I've survived.
1: Or three, I will resolve.
0: Or three, I will resolve.
1: Every anchor you poke.
0: Every anchor you poke.
1: And that's what I'm going to do.
0: And that is what I'm going to do.
1: I'm beginning to understand.
0: I'm beginning to understand.
1: Craig's ninth truth.
0: Craig's ninth truth.
1: That marriage and family are the ordeal.
0: That marriage and family are the ordeal.
1: necessary for the refinement of my soul.
0: necessary for the refinement of my soul. If
1: you were just a neighbor,
0: if you were just a neighbor. Or
1: an old boyfriend.
0: Or an old boyfriend.
1: I wouldn't put up with this crap for a minute.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't put up with this for a minute.
1: But because you're my spouse.
0: Because you're my spouse. My
1: partner forever.
0: My partner forever. The,
1: the father of my children.
0: The father of my children. I
1: stay engaged.
0: I stay engaged. In
1: this sometimes very difficult ordeal.
0: In this sometimes very difficult ordeal.
1: And will stay engaged.
0: And will stay engaged.
1: While you painfully poke me.
0: While you painfully poke in me. In all the in anchors. In all those anchors of That I
1: need to get resolved. Yes. A lot of people say to me, you know, to go to heaven, it's really important to be married. You got to have those kinds of things worked out. And I agree with them because I personally believe that it's in marriage where we get the anchors poked. And that's where we can get them resolved if we can get them resolved. Now, I'd like you to say the same thing to him. And by the way, Danny.
0: And by the way, Danny.
1: You're drawn to me.
0: You're drawn to me.
1: Because I'm beautiful.
0: Because I'm beautiful.
1: Warm, loving, sexy
0: warm loving sexy all
1: of those this things is really weird a good mother
0: <laughs> a good mother
1: <laughs> but at another level
0: but at another level you were drawn to me you were drawn to me because i'm the one because i'm the one who will
1: best poke you
0: who will best poke you in the
1: unfinished unconscious anchors of your soul
0: who will in the unconscious unfinished. Unfinished, conscious anchors of your soul
1: and as you poke as as And as I you as I poke you in those anchors
0: as I poke you in those anchors. You'll do one of three things. Poke so many times. (laughs) What I'll do one of three things.
1: I'll leave you. I'll leave you. Or I'll put up big thick walls of DTs.
0: Or I'll learn to
1: resolve those anchors. I'll learn to resolve. And that's what I'm gonna do. And
0: that's what I'm gonna do. And that's what
1: it takes. Yeah. That's why I say you acquiesce to the union because you come to realize that without this union you may not get all of those things resolved. Yes. And you go to the next one and the next one and the next one. And whether you're married once or five times, the things that, that destroys marriages isn't that, oh, we got to communicate. but Communication is certainly a part of it. I don't want to say that. But it's the anchors inside of us. Our spouses, we call it unconscious collusion. Our spouses unconsciously will find those anchors that we need to get resolved and get taken care of. And What we usually do, though, is we want to divorce or we want to break up or we want to leave. We go into all of our defensive templates to protect us. We put walls up. We put distance between us. And most people go to their grave with their walls on, the DTs up. They've never resolved the anchors inside. Because what I want to do with my wife is I want to say, you need to change so I can finally love you. Instead of, wait, I've got to resolve the stuff inside of me, the anchors inside of me that your stuff triggers. Oh my goodness, I've got to look inside of me. And instead of pointing the finger at you, I've got to look inside of me. You see, Libby, the, the, the principle of agency trumps my ability to change you, my daughter, my wife, anybody, but supports my ability to change me. And when we, we finally come to realize that that's what marriage does for us and family. You yeah. a question. Huh? No,
0: I just think um, because I've been taught this principle my whole life, like, So I brought up the instance of video games Mm -hmm. and that was something, I mean, that's a really in the beginning of our marriage was a really big deal for me. Like, Oh, I didn't know you liked video games. Oh, I didn't know you liked him this much. And it was like, the more I tried to change him, the more it was like, I was his mother, you know? So it was just (laughs) like, he's resentful to me. I'm resentful to him. And I mean, it's definitely taken years, but, and is this weird that I'm talking about my own marriage probably, but Oh, well, um, As time has gone on, it's just been like, oh, yeah, well, that's what my husband likes. I've learned to just say that's his hobby. That's what he loves to do. That's okay. He can do that. And I've changed my view. I've been more um, just accepting and like loving. And guess what has magically, strangely happened in return? he doesn't play video games that much. Exactly. Like, it's really weird. Like, why? I mean, I don't think that necessarily always happens, but that was a pretty cool thing that has happened as through our marriage, we've worked through that one issue.
1: And that's exactly what happens. There's a basic psychological principle. It's not just psychological, it's this. That if if an, a plant or an animal engages in a behavior and it doesn't do anything for them, it will eventually extinguish the behavior. So if my yelling at you and you keep saying, quit yelling, quit yelling, you fight with me, that may never stop the behavior. Cause yelling at you gets you to respond. Right. I can affect you, get you to roll your eyes, I right. have power over you, I can mess with you. But if you just look at me and walk away, say that's not gonna work on me anymore. I go, oh, uh, and then who looks like the ass? You or me. Yeah, I'm the one shouting to the wind and you walked away. Every day I hear men and women say, well, I'm not going to put up with that anymore. I go, then don't put up with it. Well, I'm not. When he says that, I'm going to tell him off. I said, no, no, no. Telling him off is you're fighting him to change. If you're not going to put up with it when he does it, look at him. Tell him you love him and walk out of the room and he's going oh oh, 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 oh. And that behavior, if it doesn't work for him, it will extinguish it. If you put a plant by the window, it'll turn towards the window. I tell you what? If you block the sunlight and the window, it doesn't go that way anymore it starts turning towards the light that's in the room. That's true with everything. Remember in stage one, when we talked about emancipation, that love and control are the same thing. So if I can affect you, if I can control you, it means I matter. Oh, I still, I got mm, you angry yes, with me. Yes. But if you just walk away from me, <gasps> oh no, I'm not going to respond to that. I've got to change something. And I might even pull out appropriate behavior. Let's let's go here for just a minute. Every day I have couples come in, or let's say I'm just speaking with the wife one day alone, and she has, my husband yells at me. So when I confront him, he even yells more. I tell him I'm not putting up with it. So then he switches to uh, he's not going to be married to me and he's going to divorce me. And I don't want to divorce him. I want to stay married to him. And then he says, I'm going to withhold from me financially. He's not going to give me anything ever again. So we'll call those three things black, red, and green. Okay? Okay. He's angry and nasty. Black. He's abandoning. Red. Red. And green, he's going to shut down financially. Okay. okay. Well, he now is yelling at me, and I just look at him and say, that's not going to work on me anymore. Well, now we're going to talk about rats in a cage. If you put a rat in a cage, and let's say we make the tube a little, you know, about five inches round, and we make it about 10 feet long, and we put a black, red, and green lever in there, the rat runs through and it bumps the lever. Oh, look at this! An M&M drops in. It goes, whoa, every time it bumps the lever. Whoa, look at this. I bumped the black lever. And an M&M drops in. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat it. He fattens up. Then he hits the red one. Oh, look at this. A red one drops in. Then he hits a green one. Oh, another one drops in. So the black, red, and green lever are getting him something. Mm -hmm. Well, after a year, he's learned to fatten himself up on those levers. We're not going to give him an M&M. We're not going to give him that anymore. And he hits the lever. And nothing drops in. And he looks at it and he goes, well, that's crazy. And he hits it again, and he hits it again. And then he goes, <laughs> and he goes yeah. crazy on it, hits it a thousand times. Blah, blah, blah. And, and then he runs away and hits the green one and the red one. He's okay, I'm okay. But does he stay away from the black? No, he'll, he'll still kind of sneak up on the black one. And he rocks up to it, and then he jumps up on it, and he pounces on it again. Nothing. All right, he's fine. He stays away from the black one. He's going to get fed now from the green one and the red one. Well, the red one, after a while, no more (gasps) M&Ms. He goes crazy on that. (laughs) He still doesn't do that. Then we go to the green lever, and he hits the green one. He gets fed. Oh, thank you, maker. But he realizes no matter how much he runs up to the black or the red, he's not getting fed anymore. But he hits the green one. All right. Then we tape the green one closed. He doesn't even give an M&M for that. And he starts, what am I doing? I'm going to starve. So we're going to make this tube now. A mile long. We're going to put it through your backyard, over to your neighbor's backyard, up over the roof, through their house, all the way over a couple other houses, down the block, then up here, and end it right here on our table. And right at the end, we're going to put a white lever. But we're going to call that appropriate behavior. So black doesn't work anymore. Red doesn't work anymore. And green doesn't work anymore. Well, that rat may damn near die before he finally gets to the end. Mm -hmm. And he hits the white one. And what's out? A a big old M&M drive. Oh, look at this. I'm alive. And he fattens up on it. Does he stay there? Yeah. Some do. Some don't. Some will make the trip all the way back to the other three. A couple of trips just to make sure. They're still not working. But eventually it'll stay down by the white one because that's where it gets fed. I don't mean to refer to husbands and wives as rats. But if I push this button and my wife doesn't respond, first I'll crank it up. Oh, what do you mean? You have to respond. This is oh, my yeah, best DT. Oh, it'll get worse. Rattle, rattle. And when it still doesn't work, I go, oh, shoot, that doesn't work. Well, then I'll go. I'll abandon you. Oh, abandonment doesn't work either. Oh, then I'll go green. I'll withhold financially. No, I, I'll, uh, I'll write the checks myself. I'll go get the checkbook. I'll go with the savings. I'll get it. Oh, oh eventually, if those don't work, he might have to go all the way down to the white lever. And the minute he shows appropriate behavior, as if you're the wife, you say, thank you. Wonderful. This is lovely. Now I have to emphasize something. If you or me as a spouse, try to change our spouses with this rat metaphor, it will not work. Okay. So why did I tell it to you? For this reason. If You do this to protect yourself. I'm not going to let his black, his red, or his green mess with me anymore. I'm really not. I'm just going to turn a deaf ear to it. I'm going to look at him and say, I still love you and walk out of the room. But it's not going to affect me anymore. That would be good for you to be able to do if you were in a relationship like that, wouldn't it, Libby? Mm Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's good for him, it would be good for you. Right. So you're protecting yourself because you're not going to let your husband's pathological DTs, black, green, red, mess with you anymore. That would be a good thing. But the amazing thing is this. You're doing it to protect you. And it just might have an effect on him. Yes. Now he will say, you're trying to control me. But if you're not trying to control me, say, no, I'm not. I'm just not going to live with black green, and red anymore. Mm-hmm. I love you, dear, but you do the black, green, and red. I'm going in the other room. That's not turning the flower anymore. That's not ringing the lever. You show me white, and you're going to get tons of me, attention, value, all kinds of things, but you show me black, red, or green, and it sounds like that's what you did. You didn't give him any more rattling and anger or giving give any power, didn't roll your eyes or anything with his computers. You just said, well, I still love you, I
0: found my own hobby yeah Netflix <laughs> 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 exactly but no right. it is it is good because yeah. you do and then you're like oh yeah you go do your thing I'll go do my thing I don't know I mean it's definitely took many years and it's not like it's not ever a problem anymore you know we're married we always will have
1: well things. you will have all those anchors triggered until you get them all resolved yes and if you can do that in 20 years of marriage more power to you your mother and I you know we looking at 50 and we don't seem to irritate each other nearly as much because I think I've resolved a lot of my anchors that she used to trigger. I think most of them, I'm, I sometimes try to, which ones do I still need to fix? And I think she's working on fixing right. some of those that she's been packing around her whole life. Right. Now I want to talk about this for a minute and, and I'm going to talk about it in a thing I call the 20 minute rule. Okay. okay. This is about the marriage, uh, the ordeal of marriage. And, and, uh, before I go to the 20 minute rule, let me just say this. Our children bat cleanup. Do you know what it means to bat cleanup? No. In baseball, you have the first three hitters on the team are your best hitters, usually. Yes. And the fourth hitter is your home run ball. Yes. So we put him on fourth place up because if the bases get loaded, he might hit a home run. He cleans off the bases. Oh. Makes sense? So he's called the cleanup hitter.
0: I have never heard that. Okay. Our
1: children are the cleanup hitters. Of our anchors. I will promise you that every anchor that Danny misses your children will ferret out and they'll find them. If you have any unfinished business from when you were 16, wait until your child is 16 and she'll do the same stuff you've done and hit you in those anchors of 16. And then with an adult mind, you'll try to help her work it out. And it may help her a little bit, but it's mainly helping you to resolve the crap you've been packing around since you were 16. Oh, or you had a struggle in the fourth grade wait till one of your kids get into the fourth grade and wow. they have the same struggle. Yeah. And then you sit down and go, oh, they start, well, we got to work this out. And with an adult mind, you'll try to walk your fourth grader through his stuff and you will. Is it for him? Yeah, a little bit, but it's mainly for you. Our children hit every anchor the spouse misses. Now you're starting to understand why to me, family is so gosh darn important. It's the key to our existence. We can't resolve all of those anchors. If it's just a neighbor kid said, get out of here. Right, But because it's your own child, you stay engaged. As you know, I'm an old beer drinker. What happened when Lincoln got arrested for possession of beer? Did that make me crazy? Did that hit me in anchors and think, oh, my goodness, I got to change my life. I got to switch. I got to make some difference, didn't I? He hit me in anchors. All of us get hit in anchors by our children that our spouses miss. Mm-hmm. And not just children, but our friends, people who love us. Yes can poke us in those anchors. But instead of looking at them and saying, oh, they make me so mad. If you're mad for more than 20 minutes, you get to look at yourself. Now we're going to talk about the 20 minute rule. About 35 years ago, a couple came to see me and they were right out of a movie. Uh, They came on their Harleys. He was probably 360 pounds and he had a uh, Flaming red curly hair, real thick, and it was blown straight back. He had a beard probably 15 inches long, all red, and he had his dew cap on. And they came in, and she came in on her Harley, and she had, uh, I remember, blonde hair, and, and probably weighed, well, not probably, she told me she was over 300 pounds. And she had, uh, what are those, uh, called a halter top where your boots mm-hmm. kind of hang out the side almost mm-hmm. and just side up behind her back. Yeah. And these were tough people. They're yeah. beer drinkers. They've been in fights. They fought with each other. And they come in to see me and they say, well, we're thinking about getting married. And an old beer drinking a friend of mine said, oh, Berthold, you go see Berthold. He can help you. Yeah. So they came in to see me and they did some remarkable work. Uh, They ended up getting married. She had had a child out of wedlock when she was 19, and they were in their 30s now. And so he adopted the son, and then they had a couple of other kids. And everything went really, really well. And so I was just tickled to see them and to see the changes they've made in their lives, and they left. Well, about five years later, she called me, and she came back to see me. And she said, Berthold, we just need a little more help with the 20-minute rule. I said, what's the 20-minute rule? (laughs) you know, the 20 minute rule, you taught us the 20 minute rule. I said, I've never heard of the 20 minute rule. (laughs) Maybe you got that from another therapist. Oh, we're not seeing any other therapist. We're only seeing you. You taught us the 20 minute rule. Well, what's the 20 minute rule? You know, I get to be mad at my husband when he really pisses me off for at least 20 minutes. But after 20 minutes, if I'm still upset, I don't get to look at him. I got to look inside me and see which anchors his stuff is triggering in me. And I looked at her and I said, well, I like it. You got that for me. Well, yeah, you told us how anchors stack and old anchors get triggered. And you told us about 20 minute rule. I said, well, thank you for the credit. But I think you guys called it the 20 minute rule because if it was me, I would have called it the four hour rule because I want to be mad at my wife for four hours before yeah. I have to look inside myself mm-hmm. and decide, oh, she's hit tr- some triggers in me. All right. So that's the 20 minute rule or the four hour rule. But now I want to tell you a story. About five years ago, uh, my wife and I, your mother, you know how she loves to go to St. George.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't like St. George. St. George is too hot. What do you, you, go down there and shop? I do like to hike the mountains, but she says, let's go. It was her birthday. It was in February. So I said, I can do February. So we went down and uh, when we got down there, we went to dinner and we got a place to stay. And I bought her an iPod, iPad, iPad. iPad. Okay. I thought they were like a hundred bucks. It was like 600 bucks. I'm going, whoa. At the store, the guy says, you can get free Wi-Fi at McDonald's. At that moment, my wife looked at me and said, well, let's go to McDonald's. And you know, mom hates McDonald's. She thinks it's death food. I love it. The double cheeseburger, a couple of double cheeseburgers and a Diet Coke. I'm mm-hmm. in heaven. Yep. So I, she said, let's go to McDonald's. I said, you're on. We went to McDonald's and we're sitting there. She says, she looked on her computer and she says, I have to go home. And I said, what do you mean you have to go home? Well, I just got a message. There's a meeting Sunday, and I've got that new job at church, and I have to be there Saturday, I think. And I said, Karen, I've taken like four days off for your birthday. We really have to go home? And she says, well, why don't you fly me home? I said, well, how much is that? And she looked up the price and told me, and I went, well, I I don't have the money to do that. And she says, well, well, it's my birthday. <laughs> Sounds did, like me. <laughs> did that sound a little bit entitled?
0: Yes. Yes, a little Oops, bit. Okay. sorry. All
1: right. And I, I didn't go black on her, you know, my mm-hmm. raging. I just kind of well, took a deep breath and tried to control my anger. And then she said, uh, yeah, because I wouldn't fly her. She said, it's my birthday. And uh, then she said, well, the only reason I came down here is because you wanted to. I didn't even want to come down here. And I just looked at her, all my strength sapped out of me. And I was just, oh, and immediately she got up, marched out of McDonald's, mad as can be. I got up dutifully, feeling empty and angry and sad, following her. And as I walked out, a guy about 50 years of age says to me, sorry, dude. (laughs) (laughs) he knew he knew that my wife's mad and i'm in trouble Uh i get out she slams the door we go to the room i said i need to go for a walk so i i I do a two-hour walk i did a four-hour came back she was asleep we ended up the next day not speaking we came home early keeping in mind when i left mcdonald's there was a little voice saying 20 minute rule 20 minute rule i said bs i can't take this woman I've lived with her for forty years. I am done. I'm not going to marry. I can't. I'm divorcing her. As I'm driving back home from Saint George, I'm thinking, okay, I see two judges. One of them's in my district. I wonder if he would waive <laughs> the ninety days. I've got the name. I've looked up the name of an attorney. I'm going to. I'm getting a divorce. And for the next three days, I'm planning on divorcing your mother. I am so hurt. I'm so angry. I won't speak to her. She says she doesn't feel good. We get home. We don't speak the that day. We go to sleep that night. We get up to church. I, I, I got to go to church. I'm thinking, okay, uh, I, I'm in the bishopric. I've got to tell the bishop, you know, bishop, I'm divorcing my wife. I'm done. I'm not doing this. Well, how, what am I going to say to my kids? I've got four wonderful kids, married, uh, all temple married, all doing wonderfully. Uh, I've got 15 grand. Well, at that time, I think I had 10 grandkids or something. Uh, What am I getting? No, I'm done. I'm not living any way like this. I am done. I am finished. I am not living with this woman. She drives me crazy. I am absolutely nuts. I'm not. I'm done. Well, I went to my first meeting at church and they threw a little white at me. They said, hey, brother, brother, will you say the opening prayer? That's throwing white. I said, oh, okay, I will. The next meeting, hey, will you say the closing prayer? Okay. I had a meeting before my my bishoprics meeting where I was going to tell my bishop I need to talk to him about the divorce. Now, keep in mind, this is like the fourth day. I had an hour. I went home and I did a thing we call a neurological loop. And I'm going to talk about a loop right now. How you do this is you feel the feeling that you're feeling, which I was just sad and raging and angry and hurt and then you anchor it now we talked about anchors but you can do this with anchors you can you can reach over and pinch your thumb and then okay just think of the the pain oh yeah i'm hurting represent with the color i called it red i'm feeling red i'm feeling red i'm feeling red and i anchored it just by pinching my thumb and then i said okay when was the last time i felt red and i pinched my thumb feeling it and i went back to thanksgiving And I thought, no, that wasn't that Thanksgiving. That was like four years before when I was that man. Okay, go back to a time before that. Oh, yeah, I remember a couple years before that when the car, okay, I went to the car. Okay, and then I leave that. I go to another one. And it's amazing how when you anchor it, you can literally trace it back, and it's called looping back. Okay. Okay. So I went to 10 years. I went back to 25 years. I went back 30 years. I went back 40 years. Then I went back to before we were married. And I found a piece of history of something that happened to me in school. She wasn't even around. In my, I, my chosen sport was baseball, and I planned on being a major league baseball player. And I got benched after I'd led her for two years, sophomore and junior, and now I was benched. I was devastated. I went back before that, a time when I was like 15. And you trace it back to what we called the originator. The first time the deer went down the trail, and I found two pieces of history. One of them is when my mom, your grandma, uh, got really, really angry at me and uh, was wailing on me pretty good, just beating the crap out of me.
0: This is your stepmother. Yeah. His mom died when he was But I loved kid. her very yes. much, okay? Yes,
1: And I, I resolved all that, and I'll please know that. But, you know, I was probably about 10 years of age, and she was beating on me, screaming at me that... I had to respect her and she did not have to earn respect. If she had to beat me to death, I'm going to respect her. Did that sound a little bit entitled? Yeah. You respect. I, she said, I'm your mother now and you will respect me even if I have to beat you to death. Okay. Yeah. So what do I do? Uh, I see the little boy crying, standing out on the driveway She's told me, I can't come home. I can't live there. My dad's out of town. It's Monday. You won't be back till Friday. And I'm crying and I'm really hurting. So what do we do? I put me in the picture as I am at, what was I then? 60 something. And now I'm with the little boy and I give him a hug and I whisper to him, Hey, Craig, don't worry. Mom gets goofy once in a while. She's okay. She's just upset. Don't worry about it. You're all right. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to take care of you forever. Now, I learned to do this way back in the 70s, 60s. You, you find a little boy that's hurting. You give him a hug. And you tell him you're going to love him and take care of him. And then see if he feels it. He felt it. And then I said, I want you to meet somebody. I say, JC, come here. I'm walking around the back of the garage with Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, Good old JC. I, I see him as the easiest god hippie yes. in the world. He loves me no matter what. And as he walks up, I have him say, Sandwich And me and Jesus Christ pick up that little nine, 10-year-old boy and hug him and tell him, and and Christ says to him, I'm going to love you and take care of you too. And the little boy's smiling now. Okay, that's one. The other one, I was playing the piano or supposed to be practicing the piano. And there's the little red John Thompson book that I didn't like. But somebody had taught me kind of a little bluesy thing, kind of I was trying to figure that in. And she came downstairs and knocked me off the piano bench and caught me between the hall the piano and the wall and was just pounding on me and again kicking on me. And I'm trying to crawl away, get away. It's probably ten or fifth, fourth, fifth grade somewhere in there. And I climbed crawling to get out the garage door out the basement. And she's screaming at me. I've told you to practice the prana, and you're not doing it like I told you to do it. And just was wailing on me. And again, I got out to the garage. She wouldn't come out of the garage. And I was really upset. And my dad was gone. And she said I couldn't come home. And she hated me. And the family would be better off. But this is what she said. The only reason I'm your mother is because I married your father. And I started laughing. What if my wife said to me? The only reason I came to St. George is because you wanted me to. I didn't want to come. Did the same thing. Rescued little Craig. Christ loves him. We say everything's gonna be okay. I went down to work in the fields that day for Tingish. You know, like you do at Bangers Weeding the Onions. I went down and weed and onions and got my money at the end of the day and you know, lived for the next week. Uh But it was that moment that I hadn't rescued that little boy. So let me ask you, should I divorce a wife with 42 years of marriage who loves me and I love her, with 50 or 10 grandkids, uh, four married children, all happily, all doing wonderfully, because she says, well, it's my birthday and the only reason I came down here is because you wanted me to. Are those two reasons to get a divorce? No, not at, not all. at all. Why was I crazy? Why well, was for four days I'm going to divorce her? Had nothing to do with her. 20-minute yeah. rule. <laughs> yeah. It had but anchors it inside anchors. of me that I wasn't even aware of. Yeah. Doing that introspection, going through that loop, is what refines us. And lo and behold, I'm grateful. I went upstairs and I said to your mom, I said, I just want to thank you and I'm sorry. And she says, thank me for what? You helped me get some old stuff resolved. What? I said, well, I was pretty upset with you the last couple of days. You were? She didn't even know. I said, yeah, I was ready to divorce. You were going to divorce me? (laughs) I said, yes, because I was really hurting. over. Remember Wednesday night down in St. John? Oh yeah I was a pill I was I was worried about my mom you know she's her mother was dying she had pulmonary problems and she was worried and she was so far away from her and so you know she apologized I said well you know I'm really sorry because I've just been a bear the last couple of days because I you know I had some stuff I need to get resolved and just want to thank you what I can actually thank my wife for poking me in the anchors of my soul that I need to get resolved Would I have ever gotten those anchors resolved had that not have happened? Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'd still be there and every once in a while little flashes of anger would come out when I see somebody acting entitled. You know how I am. I do know (laughs) how you
0: are. Yes.
1: So I don't think I'm quite that way when people act entitled anymore. But boy, that entitlement was something that really used to bother me. And I think I figured out why. It was a 20-minute rule issue. And I could rescue that little
0: boy. Yeah, I like that rescue. That's pretty
1: cool. With Christ. Yeah, if that's
0: you, equally cool.
1: It's 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 if you have that belief system, it's a wonderful tool that you believe that He loves you and adores you and cherishes you. He may not always rescue, but he'll never leave your side.
0: Yeah.
1: There's one more thing I'd like to talk about pertaining to the ordeal of marriage and the ordeal of family, how the anchors get poked. Uh, I call these neurological unconscious vehicles of emancipation.
0: We haven't talked about these.
1: Okay. Maybe you've seen this. I see it almost every day in my office. Uh, let's say a guy comes in to see me. Uh, this, I'll give you this example. This is a guy that came in years back, and I see it every week, men, women. He comes in and he says, you know, Craig, I, I love my wife. I said, great. I love my wife, too. He says, I love my kids. I have three of the most beautiful kids in the world. I said, great, I do too. And grandkids I even got, they're wonderful. He says, yeah, and I, I, I love the Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm a return missionary from the Church of Jesus Christ. Wonderful. I'm 42 years of age. I love my work. I, I work for the state. Uh, I'm an attorney. I said, oh, okay. And, and I'm uh, involved in my church. I'm the elders quorum president. I said, wow, how do you like that? I love that. I love working with the people. I'm right there with the bishop. I, I, I love my work. I love the Lord. I love my family. And I said, so why are you coming to see me? Okay, well, I probably need to tell you this. That's why I'm here. I also love my girlfriend. I said, you got a girlfriend? He says, yeah. He said, i would come to one of your speeches and you said that when in the talk that you gave that you don't get to set... The, the course of therapy and so uh the, that's up to the individual and so i thought you're the therapist i need to see so that's why i'm here i'm going to leave my wife and kids and uh, go be with my girlfriend i said wow okay he says really i said yeah i don't get to set the course he says okay so he told me a little bit about his life and I said, all right, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do some Gestalt therapy, some chair work in Gestalt. This is cognitive unconscious work developed by, my, by the name of Fritz Perls. Irving Polster is probably the, the guru now who's still alive, he's like 84. Um, we're gonna put your mother in the chair and I'd like you to tell your mother, mom, I absolutely love you, but I'm not gonna let you control them anymore. Oh, this is good, Craig. This is exactly where I need to go, he says. All right, tell her. Mom, I love you but I'm not going to let you control me anymore. Yes. Perfect. Now I want you to stand up. I said, move over and sit in that chair. Yeah. And now you're your mother. He says, okay. I said, mom, mom, did you hear what your son said? Yes. What did he say? Well, he says he's, he's going to love me, but he's not going to let me control him anymore. Yeah. Can you still control him? Well, I don't want to control him. I know you don't want to, but if you wanted to, can you still make him feel guilty? Push his buttons. Oh, yes, I can still mess with him. He sits back down in his chair and goes, see, see, yeah, she can still get to me. <laughs> I said, those are your words representing her. He said, yeah. All right, tell her again. I'm not going to let you control me anymore. I'm Mom, I'm going to love you, but I'm not going to let your stuff mess with me. Moves back and the mom says back, oh, Bill, this is scaring me a little bit. I, if 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 you do this, I feel like I'm losing, it. I'm starting to tear up here and this will break my heart. your My broken heart will mess with you. And he said, see, yeah. see, her broken heart will mess with me. And at that juncture, I said, well, Bill, um, let me tell you about vehicles of emancipation. And I says, what do you mean? And he says, well, a lot of times when we can't get free, when we feel still captive to our moms or our dads or or our God, or uh, our children, our family, or economics, or whatever, we unconsciously develop a vehicle of emancipation. This is a way a vehicle says, to heck with all of you, I'm gonna steer my own life. Mm -hmm. And the vehicle does that for you. He says, what do you mean? Well, do you think it's possible that your girlfriend is helping you flip off everybody because now you've got a girlfriend and it's not my fault that I'm steering my own life. It's my girlfriend's. She's supporting me in my independence and I get to put all it on her and I'm still never steering my life. It's her doing it for me because having a girlfriend helps set me free. And he goes, "Uh, no, I don't think so. He says, let me tell you about it. I mentioned to my wife, I'd like to have a little wine with dinner. And she's looked at me and she says, you haven't drank wine since you were in, in high school. What are you talking about? You're the oldest corn president. You, Mormons don't drink wine. What are you doing? I mentioned it to my girlfriend. I went downstairs to fix her toilet. I came upstairs. She'd run to the liquor store, bought a bottle of wine. And I, there was my, my salad sitting on the table with a bottle of wine. I was only downstairs for 20 minutes. She just adores me. My wishes are command. She wants to do everything. She's just right there for me. I said, yeah, well, that's what girlfriends are. They're, they're uh, vehicles sometimes. And they're very nurturing. And they support your independence and doing your own thing. Wives are just the opposite. Wives spend their whole lives looking for the perfect man to marry and then spend the rest of their life making him more perfect. Mm-hmm. He says, well, I don't think so in this case. I said, all right. He said, I, I, I cussed out a guy that cut us off the other day. With, I was in the van with the kids and my wife, and she got mad at me. About a week later, the same intersection, I'm with my girlfriend in the company car. Somebody cut me off. I cussed him out, and she says, pull up alongside. Let me flip him off. Yeah. That guy was a jerk. we're we're soulmates. He says, my wife is constantly just nagging me every time I want to be physical. She says, most of the time, oh, not tonight. If I even look at my girlfriend, she's ready to go. She just loves me. She adores me. I said, okay. Well, maybe not in your case. He says, all right. So we go back to mom and finish this gestalt where he says, mom, I'm not going to let you control me anymore. I'm going to love you, but I'm not going to moose over. Mom says, I'm, cry- I'm sad. I feel like I'm losing you. And he sits back here and I have him say this. You're not going to lose me. As a matter of fact, the chances of you losing me are greater if I don't get free from you. I need to get free from you. And if I'm truly free from you, when you do your goofy stuff, I'll just smile and say, that's my mom. I'm going to really get free, deep freedom, mom, inside me so I can love you more than ever moves over. Mom says, Bill, I'm scared, but I believe you. I think you can do this. And he sits here and goes, what the heck did you just do, Berthold? I said, I didn't do anything. He said, no, I just feel this weight lift off me, like 20 pounds just lifted off my chest. What did you do? I said, I didn't do anything, but I think you may have just taken your mom's hands off your steering wheel. He goes, really? Yeah. This is amazing. I'll see you next week. Wow, I didn't know you could do stuff like this in therapy. He said, I didn't do it. You had a conversation with you and your unconscious. You see, all of your thoughts, feelings, perceptions about your mom are in you. But all of your thoughts, feelings, perceptions about how you feel like your mom feels about you are also in you. So even though we think we carry the conflict outside, we carry it within ourselves. Gestalt is a word, German word, which means the whole. So even though we might think the conflict is out there, we can resolve the conflict inside of us. He says, oh, I don't know about that, but I'll see you. The next week he cancels. Two weeks later he comes back. He says, Something's different. What do you mean, something's different? This is crazy, Craig. Why? It's taken me two and a half years to finally come in to see you. I'm gonna leave my wife and kids. But the last two weeks, for some reason, I, I don't I don't understand it, but I, I think I want to stay with my wife. I want to stay with my kids if they'll have me. And my girlfriend can sense it. What do you mean your girlfriend can sense it? Oh, Craig. I'm telling you, she could sense it. What do you mean? She was doing me inside out, outside in. I'll ask you, if he can emancipate himself, does he need a vehicle of emancipation anymore? No. Could the girlfriend sense it? Yes. Was she on him like white on rice? Yes. He's going, I've never had anything like this. He said, yeah, you're getting ready to say goodbye to her. She can sense it because you learn to emancipate yourself. Now, how many relationships are truly emancipated? I said before, in the past weeks, I'll say again, if we haven't fully emancipated from our family of origin, we're going to have a heck of a time learning to emancipate from our present marriage, our children, our family, and most importantly, our God. Last week, we talked about the four steps of getting free. He had never gone through those four steps with his mom. Once he did, once he got free, he realized he can get free from his wife too and love her profoundly once he knew that emancipation was right and correct. Emancipation isn't just getting free. It's getting free and loving more than ever because you're so free, you're not going to let that person make you crazy anymore. If everybody's steering my life, I'm not living my life. I'm living everybody else's life. This man finally got free from his mom, from everything else, and now it's up to him. What's he going to do and what did he do? He went back to church because he chose to not because he had to. All his life, church and everything was, I'm supposed to do this, and I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to get my degree, I'm supposed to get my law degree, I'm supposed to do this. Okay, finally he got free and it was like, I can go back do it exactly the same thing I was doing, but I'm doing it now because I choose to, because he got free. The greatest aphrodisiac, the greatest gift, it, it is the absolute most important principle in marriage. And a lot of people are so friend, well, he's getting free because he won't do what I tell him to do. Yeah, he's not. But hopefully if he gets ultimately free, not just a little bit free, He'll be able to love you more than ever. There's all kinds of vehicles of emancipation. Drinking is a vehicle oh, yeah. of emancipation. Yeah. I, my mom, my dad's the bishop. I'm going to drink like crazy. He can't tell me what to do. <laughs> Until you finally get free. This might be rather controversial. But I have seen this once. I've seen it twice. Where the man is gay for 20 years. His parents are very religious. He comes and sees me on issues of being happy, living a homosexual life in a heterosexual community. And he was working on it. And then he realized about maybe he needed to get free from some things, get some hands off the steering wheel. He got his parents' hands off the steering wheel. Six months later, he's telling me, I don't know if I'm really gay. I looked at him and said, you've been gay for 20 years. Come on. He said, I don't think so. Maybe I go both ways. Is it possible, and this is what he told me, that his vehicle of emancipation, his way of saying, you can't control me, I'm different than you, watch me, I can do this, was his homosexuality. Well, he got married, he's got four kids. He he was in his 40s when he did this. I don't get to determine that. That's up to the individual. But we use all kinds of things to help us to emancipate. When we're finally steering our own lives, we find we don't need those vehicles of emancipation. In marriage, to move to an emancipated state where you're loved deeply and you love deeply, and you know you can say to your wife, sweetheart, I love you, but I'm gonna go do this. And again, for the marriage to really succeed well, you look at what I call the golden bar. Joseph Campbell called it, he said, the union. Well, I'm going to say there's a golden bar that reaches from your rib cage and goes into Danny's. Okay. Okay. It bolts you together. If you give in to what you want, it'll be a struggle. If you give in to what he wants. If he gives in to what you want, it'll be a struggle. If he gives in to what he wants. You don't acquiesce to each other's whim. You acquiesce to the golden bar what's going to be in the best interest. And sometimes it might be better for you to bite your tongue, Libby, or sometimes it might be better for Danny to say, all right, I'm going up to your mom and dad's tonight. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Even though I may not want to, because I think this will be in the best interest of this union. That's what marriage is all about. And you finally realize that your greatest greatness comes from that union. You wouldn't accomplish and resolve all of those anchors that get resolved in marriage without that golden bar bolting you together. But when you realize that the two of you are still one, Bill Moyers asked Joseph Campbell, well, that, then the question of you, you, you don't get to do your own thing. He says, you get to do your own thing, but it's in the sense of the two of you acquiescing to the union. And we start to understand that marriage, family is vitally important for our psychological growth, our physical growth, our economic growth, our spiritual growth. It will poke us in all of those anchors that we've carried early into our lives, and then we can either get mad at them and divorce them, or we can put up big walls of DTs to protect ourselves, or we can learn to resolve all of the anchors, rescuing the little boy or the little girl that might still be hurting over that thing that happened when they were 10 or 26 or 35 or 15. Instead of blaming the other, you look at yourself. Yeah. Like All right, that's the family. That's some of the stuff. That's that the is. That's make the sense? family.
0: Yeah, it does make yes, a lot of sorry, sense. Yes. Are there any
1: questions for me? Let
0: me. Um. Yeah. What about people who? I mean, I have a lot of single friends. Yeah.
1: Hopefully they will surround themselves with people that they love deeply. They have parents. Everybody has parents. And I promise you, their parents will ferret out all the anchors. Who put most of those anchors in you that irritate you? Right, your
0: parents. (laughs) And the the things in my kids that irritate me are just because I'm raising my mother.
1: (laughs) So sounds to me, you got some work you got to do with your mother, so you, so you could you know, resolve uh, that. Stuff. And thank your kids for what they're putting you through because, <laughs> of course, they did help the, get this stuff yes. resolved. Okay. So, uh, yeah,
0: it all goes the same with the people you surround yourself with, your right. parents, your siblings. Right. Right.
1: I, I attribute it to family of, of, you know, the traditional family. But, you know, if you're living with somebody, your roommate will poke you in those anchors. Right. You know, and it you work. I mean, college, work kind work, of people, is your family because it, you're it, with those it, people all day. Without question, work is a secondary family. We yes. talk about tertiary, we talk about primary, it's tertiary, but it's still a family. And those people can, follow. and you can do the same thing. You can be mad at them while well, you jerk it. And that's what most people do. But when they're truly engaged and they know I need that person for my growth, then yeah. you turn to them. Instead of being mad at him, I've got to go go inside myself and find that anchor that being triggered and resolve that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't mean to, I'm, I am focusing on the family because that's what it is today. Yeah. But it can be friends. It can be people that you associate with. Whenever you're upset, if you're waking up the next morning upset, it probably doesn't have a whole lot to do with what happened last night. It has more to do probably with some stuff that you're packing around from a long time ago that you need to get resolved. Last week, we talked about the four steps. but Most importantly, what we talked about today is you have to do two levels. It's not just consciously saying, one, you're my dad and I'm your son. Two, down deep, I love you. I want you to love me. Three, you hurt me. Four, I'm going to get free from the hurt. You have to then confront it. And that's why gestalt works so well, because when you put your dad in the chair, now you got to go over yes. and say, do you believe what your son just said?
0: Yes. Gestalt, the role playing. And
1: the first time he did this, mom said, no, I can still mess with him. But 40 minutes later, he's saying, mom, I'm not going to let you hurt me anymore. Yeah. And the mom played by him goes, I believe you and he sits here and goes oh something just lifted what did you do i said i didn't do anything you resolved it consciously and unconsciously and when we get resolution consciously and unconsciously we can accomplish anything
0: cool sweet sweet Sweet. awesome okay all right thanks everyone for joining us hey by the way we have been live for about a week now we have two episodes released and we have had some really awesome feedback so we really appreciate you listening and if you are able to rate us please do we appreciate your comments and feedback thank you thank you we're really excited about this podcast and it sounds like some of you people are too so we will see you next week on the full cup bye Bye-bye.